This generation under so much pressure Held to a standard impossible to measure Without guys, they suffer No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother Not the fin for the one in the mirror Self-image distorted, can't get no clearer Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets Ain't no fairy tales or yellow bricks By their feet, only crack vials and shell casings Looking for hope, but they still waiting And I implore you to never give up And like Pac said, uh Keep your head up and when your back's up against the wall Keep your boots to the ground and stand tall Hold on and be strong And go against all odds, uh And keep your faith in God Today we will be spotlighting Yeah, which is the Youth Empowerment for Advancement Hangout. It was established in 2018 as a community-based nonprofit in Philadelphia that works with teens ages 13 and 19 who have witnessed or engaged in violence. Yeah prioritizes working with teens after school and in the evenings, focusing on community engagement, conflict resolution, and workshops that are applicable to the lives of Philadelphia teens. Rooted in the heart of West Philadelphia, YEA aims to reduce community violence and street involvement among teens while also promoting empowerment and providing safe zones. Through peer-led conflict resolution and mediation services, psychoeducational workshops, and connections to community resources, and creating a space where youth are safe and empowered to be themselves, Yeah puts teens in the driver's seat of their lives and on the road to achieve their highest potential. If you would like to volunteer or donate, visit yeahphilly.org. This is the Liberated Mind Show, where we navigate the treacherous and make it seem effortless. The revolution may not be televised, but it is going to be broadcast. We are your host. He is Kay. He is James. I am Reese. Let's go. All right. So today we're going to discuss uh, leadership in the black community. We're going to discuss uh, what we need in leadership and things we may not need. So uh, let's jump right in. Uh, the first question is, is there a solid need for black leaders today? And if so, can we afford to be dismissive based upon uh, past issues or slip ups? Okay, um, you want me to start off with that? All yeah, right. That's fine. So, so, you know, a week ago, if you would have asked me that question, I probably have a different answer for you. But um, I, I can't give you a, a a full yes or a full no. It's like somewhere in between. And I, I'll state my reasons for that. Um, as far as us having like a defined leader, like, um, like Julius behind you, or like how we had Malcolm back in the day. Um, we here in the, in these United States, um, with what's going on today in today's current climate, what I'm seeing is who is the leader of this movement that's, that's taking place that I've been trying to ask myself that who, Who's the defined leader of this movement? There is no defined leader. We had the the Million Man March. We know who the leader was of that, Louis Farrakhan, right? Mm -hmm. But who put this together? We can say um, 
excuse me for not knowing their names off the top, but the people who came up with the hashtag Black Lives Matter, we mm -hmm. can say they started the hashtag, but this from city to city, who is the leader? There's, there's no defined leader, but at the same time, we're seeing things get accomplished. We're seeing progress within the whole case surrounding um, George Floyd. We're seeing arrests being made, uh, um, even charges being up, et cetera. Uh, local laws in other states, um, police training being brought up. We're seeing, we're seeing progress. So we do have, we do have leaders that are vocal, but um, it's almost like um, it's clickish in a way. We still have some, some civil rights leaders such as Al Sharpton and uh, Jesse Jackson. We still have those, but they don't have as much momentum as they once, you know, had. Now we, now we have, um, I don't, I don't, sometimes people look at it as like a, a negative connotation when you say YouTuber, but we do have YouTuber uh, leaders, you know, like uh, Brother Polite, um, Dr. Umar, and even uh, Riza Islam coming up. We have people such as those who have the momentum to gather people and to give direction. But as, as a majority, we still don't have that. So I'm not sure if one is necessarily needed. One may be needed. Maybe that's why we are in such a divided atmosphere right now. There's so much division because other people throw their politics and their religion into it rather than facing um, what's at hand. But at the same time, I also feel as though, is it needed based upon what I'm seeing over the past two weeks? So like I said, I, I really can't give you a clean yes or no, because like I said, just seeing that this movement become worldwide, it's, it's not even a national thing. It's actually worldwide. I, I just can't. I don't. I don't know how to digest this, honestly. Yeah, uh, yeah. And actually, your answer is, is actually going to color my answer because you you brought up some very good points that I didn't necessarily consider like that before, uh, but now I am. And uh, first things first, though. Definitely, everybody that did not check out episode three, definitely check out episode three. That was an amazing episode when I watched it back. There was a lot of information shared, a lot of camaraderie, um, and some good viewpoints. So definitely check out episode three and all the episodes of our show. That's the plug for now. Back to this leadership topic. Um, hmm. So, whew. Kay threw me for one there. I'm going to be honest with you with what he said, because after listening to it, I'm like, I, 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 I'm kind of swayed to agree with him in a lot of ways. Um, the unfortunate part about, so that song, Cults of Personality by Living Color, um, excellent black rock and roll band, if you've never heard of them. Jay, James, you, you big into wrestling. You remember CM Punk? Um, one of the his intro song like his most popular intro song yeah, that was from that. them yeah. so there was a line in there that said when a leader speak that leader dies and that rings very true with us because up until 
recently, any of our leaders that gained a certain amount of momentum uh, found themselves either killed, literally killed, actually without their lives, or they were torn down politically and in other ways. So it's, it, it, it's death uh, by any way you slice it. At some point, our, the leaders that you mentioned, like an Al Sharpton, like a Jesse James, at certain point, what, what they were stood perception-wise for a lot more than what they are perceived as what they, who they are today, as far as their reach, their impact, everything like that. And when you identify a leader, that leader, it, it's, way, it's way too easy to pick this kind of thing up, dig up everything on that person. Here's some things that they did say in the past or they, they may still believe today and bring it up there that not everybody who wants to be part of this fight will agree with some of the things they say. And it's like, well, we should look at the bigger picture, but if someone fundamental, if you, if there's like a fundamental part of this foundation that you disagree with this leader on it for them, it's going to be hard for them to see past themselves and, or see past that issue with that, which Right or wrong, I'm not here to judge that objectively. I'm just saying that could be what it is. So I definitely like. I I see the need for a consolidation of power, but I I, I like more like a, a longer leadership base, like people who can be leaders behind the scenes. So people that can. You know, we can have people that, are, that talk, that are very eloquent, that state a lot of the same message, but I feel as long as there's people moving the agenda behind the scenes, really pushing it and making sure that this isn't just a today's catchphrase, this isn't just the flavor of the moment, there can be some progress. Um, however... I do think that there is certainly space for leadership, for strong men and women to, to be vetted, not groomed necessarily, because I still, I, I would prefer them to be who they are, but it's within our people, I am, I'm personally not interested in being, being divisive. And not saying that any leaders that we identify are divisive, but for me, I, I do, if, I, if, if there's going to be someone we follow, like even the controversial leaders of yesteryear were very united in a lot of ways. So that is something that if I'm going to follow one person or a couple of people, I want to see that quality. I know we'll probably get to what qualities in leadership we want to see, but for me, that's important. Now, to say united isn't does not mean turn a blind eye to anything. It doesn't mean like pay lip service to anything. It's being able to get people on the same page. That's what I mean by united. So that's kind of my short long. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, my stance on it is, I would say we need a leader or we need leaders, but the question is, in general, do we want leaders? 
because we have a lot of people who don't have it in them to even be a soldier and to be willing to take orders from a leader. Everybody today wants to be that leader. They want they want to be out front and they want to, you know, do it, do it for the gram and all that. They want to get recognized as that person. So it's like, even if we were to have a leader, like let's say we did have like that, that new Malcolm. I don't think that enough people could swallow their ego or swallow their pride and actually follow behind somebody to like, you know, allow that person to unite us. I think like currently what needs to happen is what Kay was speaking on. It seems like this current uprising, this current movement is kind of happening organically and it's kind of bridging that gap between everybody where if it was like somebody like a, a specific leader, I don't think that this would be so organic. It would be something that would still be kind of, you know, on the fence about it. Like, I don't know, because like you said, they could pick up the phone and find any kind of information or any kind of thing that was thrown out there by the enemy to try to destroy somebody. They could, they could. Um, you hear me? I didn't hear. I if you you went out for a second after you said they could to me. No, I was saying that they they could just like you know look on the phone and look up something that they don't particularly agree with with that with that leader, and it's unfortunate that it's like that. And that um, that brings me to like another question. Um, so if there was a leader or leaders that did appear or will appear, is there a real chance for them to thrive in America with a structure that's pretty much built against black leadership? And as you as we've seen in the past, they're even, you know, eradicated neighborhoods with violent destruction. Um, I mean, taking it to taking everything into consideration, what's going on as far as um, today's climate, like what you said with the um, social media, I think it's difficult for not that it can't be done. I think I think that it's just it, it's more difficult now because. At the end of the day, it's like you have too many, too many weak points. Whether you know before you could get close enough, like uh, with, with Brother Malcolm, it was the nation in which you know CIA, FBI got close enough to infiltrate, and that's how they took him out. Whereas today, you may not necessarily be backed by something as strong as the Nation of Islam. But it may just be a couple friends you hang out with who have some text messages or some video, because Snapchat or whatever, you know, especially if we're talking to people like 35 and under, there's a, there's enough out there to destroy, destroy any credibility. Not to mention, we know that they set people up. So it's like, without any, I think, I think you need a backing a backing from um, 
I don't know if whether it be like a, a black nation that that has your backing because if you see most of these um, excuse me most of these um, excuse me um, most of like um, case in point one thing that I learned is that um, when it comes to like Robert Kraft Robert Kraft mm. didn't get to where he was at by himself he was backed by Israel, you know, they back him and in turn, he funds them. He gives them money. So like you said, in America, where do we have that type of um, relationship, so to speak? Where, where can we go in, in times of financial need in order to, you know, build our own movement, so to speak? So that's... I don't know. I don't know if I completely answered the question, but um, that's that's the way I'm I'm taking that. So, to my answer is, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible, but I do think it's mission very very difficult. I think for all the things that you just named the abundance of social media, the uh, availability of information, the fact that, <sighs> hey, conspiracies exist for a reason. Some of them happen to be true, especially when it comes to the black community, like being set up. That has happened historically and frequently and like all too frequently, but that's the art of war period like mm. um so it's someone that would need the backing now where people black community spends 1.5 1.3 1.5 trillion dollars so the resource to back that leader would be there if we could find a way to keep the black dollar in the black community for a little longer. If we could, pardon me, if there were better systems in place, in my opinion, and also the the ability to, I don't, for lack of a better term, protect them until a certain age. Like when you, any, any like movie or story we see when someone's the chosen one, right? They're a chosen one, they're found out as a child, somehow they're whisked away and trained until they become this crazy adult that has all the powers and can do everything and maneuver around and save the day and win it. That's the story we're told time and again. With this kind of climate, this kind of climate, you'd almost need something like that, in my opinion, just because there's so many, there's so many traps out there. There's so many pitfalls, there's so many everything. And there's so many distractions, too, as in this movement. <laughs> there's so many factions trying to piggyback off of this movement and distract from this movement and whataboutism and all this other things. It's like, hey, can we try to fight this fight? Not even saying win right now. Can we try to fight this fight? And <laughs> even now, it's like people are trying to usurp the cause. So 
it has to like it would have to be people around you that really want to love and protect you because hey Malcolm came along Malcolm was an ex-convict there's people today that no matter what once someone's become an ex-convict they've written them off now I know in a in later episode we're going to we're going to deconstruct the prison system and why it's why it's bunk and all the other stuff but it would be hard for someone as amazing and we all all three of us know well okay i'm we all think malcolm's amazing I don't, I don't, that's not a stretch there but solid. him solid. him in today's society would have a rough time being a leader because of how he would be attacked it would be even worse than it was then as far as what the media does what the what the government has the ability to do especially in this client like this current government's climate and that's that's extending past this current president whatever long story short it would it would be difficult but not impossible but it would have to be it would have to be like a double rainbow it had to be the right side of circumstances for that one that one leader or even that couple of leaders that can get past a certain point because once they get past a certain point that's when especially if they're on this soil yeah yeah i can definitely uh see that um what I think it would take it would take for our community to have a collective awakening where we value ourselves and we truly want that unbreakable, undeniable unity. If we get in one accord, one mindset, we a black leader could definitely thrive because once we're on that one accord we would be willing to protect that leader so the leader could thrive. But because we're, we're so, you know, broken and, you know, so socially conditioned to be divisive, it's just, it's difficult for that black leader to really thrive and not fall for the okie doke soon as, uh, the elite or whoever, the government throws out any kind of, anything like they they've been throwing out that uh farcon is like anti-semitic for so many years and it has some people in our community going against them for that reason and i'm like do y'all know this for a fact or y'all just falling for what the media puts out there so until we stop falling for all the smoke and mirrors and just see what it is, and we move forward one step at a time together on the same foot, not stumbling over each other, but actually walking on that same mission. I think that will be the day that that new black leader can truly emerge and truly thrive, and it wouldn't even matter what threat will come will come because we wouldn't allow it to happen. That's when we would be able to police our own neighborhoods, all of that. So we would we would create that unity shield, 
that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of us uniting because they know how powerful we will be. So, yeah, that's well, my um, stance on that. What was you saying? Came up fault. I was just saying, with, with that being said, there's, there's a few things that came to mind. Um, like you said, um, when you mentioned um, Louis Farrakhan, and like I mentioned earlier, as far as like weaknesses, and I, I feel as though with us especially, with us as African people, I feel as though the minute religion is thrown in there, you will automatically get division. Because we, are, let's face it, the, the major religions that we are, which are uh, Christian or Muslim, we were served those religions in times of either enslavement or imprisonment. Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't come to us organically. It doesn't come to us in a natural way, but we're so defensive of that, that if the person we are to lead, not we are to lead, that we are to follow is of that religion that I am not of, I automatically mute them. Not me per se, but I'm saying me as us. Mm -hmm. We'll sit up there and we'll, we'll say, you know what? That's the devil talking. I'm not listening. I've got family members that will automatically do that because this person is not a Christian. Or if they're a Muslim, no, I, I'm not. I'm not listening to that person. They following such and such religion, I and mean, it's like, whose religion are we actually following? So, does a person need to come out and not declare what their religious stance is in order for people to at least give them a chance? Because if they don't, I feel as though if they don't declare religion, then they're gonna say, well, they're atheists. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like we just have to get in the habit of listening to the message. We concentrate too much on the messenger. Like Reese mm -hmm. pointed out with um, Malcolm X in this day and age, there's no way on earth he would have gained the momentum he did because like you said, they like to sit up there, throw you away the minute you hit that, um, that prison system. The minute you're thrown in the system, you're discredited. And we, our people sit up there and they'll, they'll mimic that. They will mimic that. Well, he was nothing but a, a pimp, a hustler. Now, all of a sudden, he's holier than thou. I'm not trying to hear that. That's just a hustle. That's just him pimping. He's pimping his people. You hear that term all the time. Mm -hmm. So I feel as though it's like we need to, maybe, maybe the rules of engagement need to be changed. And they have to be declared clearly for us to say, you know what? All right. We have to learn when to put the, I hate using the word, but the tribalism, as, as they like to say, we need to learn to put that aside in order to prosper. Otherwise, we'll be singing this same song 100 years from now. And I just feel as though, while you were, James, while you, while you were um, hitting your points, it just got me to thinking, because the minute you mentioned Louis Farrakhan, I remember my father went to the Million Man March. And I remember people I went to school with, I think I was in middle school at the time. They said, oh, my dad's not going there because he's not Muslim. And I, not once did I ever hear my dad bring up the, the fact of what religious background 
Minister Farrakhan was as to that being a deterrent as to why he would or would not listen to him. You know what I mean? So I, I, I just think we just need to, I know we're so disoriented as a people that we, we let the smallest distraction do exactly that. And we, we don't, we don't pull for our own, especially when they're trying to do, you know, do for us in a sense. I, I, I hope I didn't drift off topic too much, but like I said, it just, just you hitting that point, it just made me start to think. No, I mean, no, that's not actually drifting off at all because actually religion brings you, brings us to another side of the leadership where a lot of these people are led by whoever their religious leader is, whether it's a preacher, an imam, or whatever, they're, they're led by that person. So if that person is preaching that anybody that's not this religion is evil or the devil, that's another force of divisiveness that's, that's coming up that we have to go against. So it's like, we kind of have to break these barriers of like limited, that's kind of limiting ourselves because it, it's almost like if you're a Christian, then you can't be nothing else. Or if you're a Muslim, you can't be anything else. But what about in times like this where we need to come together? So are you not going to walk side by side with a Muslim? Even if that, even as if this person is also black and going through the same exact struggle, is your barrier, your religious barrier, going to stop you from moving forward with this person? Like these, all these limitations and stuff is is foolish. Like it doesn't make any sense. And like I know in the future we probably gonna have conversations about like the historical stuff about the religions. So I'm not even gonna go into that right now, but. I just think that people need to learn their true history, not slavery, their true history before slavery, because we have a rich history of royalty. And break these, break these, like, you know, restraints. Like, exactly what this show is meant to be. This is the Liberated Mind Show. We're about liberating people's thoughts and minds. Religion doesn't allow you to be liberated if you don't have an open, fully aware mind, it keep, it keeps you trapped. So, no, nah, it didn't. I hope, well, I probably went off uh, track a little bit, but that, that was my uh, extension of what you said. Did you have uh, anything to add, Reese? Uh, I actually don't have much to add to the religion piece because, hey, here, here's where I'm stand personally. I personally wish people could, if your religion's part of part of who you are and part of what you do, I respect that completely. But when it's time for freedom fighting, I don't want that to be the deterrent from working with your brother or your sister. Like I, that should not be the oh you're this you're that. I don't want to work with you. And realistically, my point of view, today's religion is tomorrow's mythology. There were religions before the ones that are largely accepted now, and they're not, they're, they're mythology now. And tomorrow, these may what very well become mythology. 
So I don't want that to get in the way of us fighting for freedom <laughs> and against what the actual enemy is. And if your religion, if you feel your religion prohibits you from working towards the like the better goal of the people, your kinfolk and your skinfolk, then I don't know if you know your religion very well. That's going to be controversial. I'm me, Maurice, I'm the one saying that. So I'm not putting on those brothers. That's how I feel about it. I agree. I'm mad at you. Yeah, not at all. All right, so this um, we touched on this before. But the next question is, what has led to the erosion of black leadership? And when did it stop meaning Government. what it did during pivotal times of black liberation? CIA, FBI? No, not, not just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. Agents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, we, there's been documentaries, movies, article, like we, the information's out there. The information's out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we, we basically yeah. all know that. But all right, so what about the second part? When did it stop meaning what it did during pivotal times in Black liberation? Wait, repeat that. When did leader, when did leadership black leadership stop meaning what it did during pivotal times and black liberation and civil rights? So I personally feel that after like after the very height of the Black Panther Party, I feel like there was something missing. Here's Reagan, <laughs> I think the Ronald Reagan era was very, 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 very bad for the black community. Uh, one of the most destructive eras for the black community in modern history, um, and that's saying something because we've had plenty of destructive eras, but I think that the, the over-policing and the over-imprisoning and the... Oh, so I, I think that error was really what kind of what what like it was steady. Like there was always someone ready to take up the next fight and like become that that person. But that I, I think that error per like when I look at it, that was the error when we lost our leadership and didn't have anybody waiting in the wings that got to that level uh, of. Um, I don't want to see a claim of notoriety, but that level of authority is what I want to say personally. So basically, um, AD after drug war. What about you, Kay? I mean, I, I, I'm, I can't contest that because once you said that, I was sitting up here trying to think. Since then, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Um, I, I have nothing more to add to that. Reset it. Yeah, you pretty much <laughs> <laughs> like you hit all points, man. Like that that era alone is like not only mm -hmm. did it destroy black leadership, it destroyed black families. Mm -hmm. Took the fathers out the homes. Um, 
it led up to the the uh, bill that uh, the Clintons and uh, Biden was pushing for that led to mass incarceration. So it's like it was the beginning of very destructive things for us. And like 40 years later or 35 years later, we're still not recovered from mm-hmm. that. Like we're still reeling from that reality. We got we got kids now who are grown that have issues because they came from these kind of situations, whether it was a broken family, um, drug addicted parents or family members, um, all kind all kinds of issues. So yeah, it, it's a, it's a lot. But yeah, you 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 hit it out the park with that. <laughs> and people, the research is out there. You can Google it, and there's plenty of articles, plenty of videos, plenty of documented statistical analysis on these things. So the information's out there. Yeah, definitely. You know what just came to mind? What um, what I could say was also birthed during that whole crack era. Even though it wasn't the official birth of hip-hop, just going to bring on another discussion, though. It, it was the birth of what they call gangster rap. And we, we know which artists that they're referring to. It's mm-hmm. post-Rakim, post-Big Daddy King. So it's mm-hmm. most of your early 90s, late 80s, early 90s rap artists, hip-hop, yeah. rap, however you want to refer to them. So that would be, I guess, an interjection within that, which was born out of that crack era, you know, mm-hmm. which today we can see there are elements of it that help in, um, how do I put this? It's just elements of it that we know aren't necessarily positive. And, and 100% and help us, you know, move forward. So I don't know if that was by chance or by design. You get what I'm saying? And one could argue either. You could say, hey, it just was the conditionings of which people were living. It's the reason why it's there. Or you could say, hey, it's the music executives that allowed these people to get through. You know what I mean? But at the same time, there's there's some blame to be put in the messages that were allowed to be interjected into into the youth because let's face it, it youth are very impressionable i remember growing up you couldn't tell me wrestling wasn't fake it was fake you could not tell me i'd be ready to fight you <laughs> but you know you know as a as a 10 12 year old hearing some of the things that that comes out of that that genre of what we call gangster rap and you have no guidance. That's why it says adult supervision. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that adult supervision, then you're going to take that on for what it is. Mm-hmm. And with that absent from the home, which also goes back to the destruction of the family, which comes out of that era as too. Um, it breeds what we have today, unfortunately. So like I said, I just, I know that could be a whole episode within itself, mm-hmm. but I think like it I should. Said, right. When you mentioned that era, like I said, that's the, 
only thing that I could think of that coincided with that era that I could possibly say our our leaders stopped at that moment, the people who we would look to, and these people became our leaders. Like, not necessarily our leaders, but like heroes to, to neighborhoods. Certain, if you were from, you know, if you were from the Boogie Down, Bronx, you know, mm-hmm. KRS-One. Now KRS-One, look at his messages. People won't even mention him in top five, top 10 today. Now, does it have to, does that say he's a weak MC? Not by far, but at the same mm-hmm. time, is it, it's the message. Mm-hmm. So like I said, it's just, I, I just think it, it coincides and we just need to figure out was that by design or by chance? Yeah, that's definitely true. So that that um makes me wonder though, I know you mentioned this like earlier. So is it really the messenger or the message that we need to be more mindful of? Ah. Well, I I think certainly that's a that's an excellent question, but I think certainly I think we need to be mindful of both. And I think we all think we need to be mindful of both, but I I think it's the message. I think it's the message itself, and here's why. Because messengers will come and go. It's just the nature of the nature of humanity, nature of humans. We're not we're not infinite. We're very finite, and the the time frame for us to be at the peak of whatever we are, it, it's not like it, it's it's relatively short. It's relatively short. Like we look at. Any, we look at any genre, the, the most of the, anybody who's made it to the height of public awareness or anything like that, their run has been short, especially in our community. Their run's been relatively short. So if we, if the message is zeroed in on, and that's what is ingrained throughout everyone, like you were saying, James, earlier that. I don't think it was cultural awakening. You collective awakening? What was it? Yeah, collective. That phrase? Yeah, collective awakening. Like, if everybody's on message and stays on brand, then the messenger is not inconsequential, but the messenger can go, and the message still be there. That makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Ke? I agree. It's definitely like, I mean, just like we were talking on religion as well. Messenger maybe no longer here. I mean, that's a debate, some people, but the message is still strong. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I totally agree with you. That kind of, that kind of brings me back to the, uh, because, like, you know, when we was coming up, when you listen to like hip hop, like you said, some of them became like kind of lead, took that leadership role because they kind of, in a way, became like the storytellers. And that's where you got a lot of information from about the streets, what goes on. It was kind, it was almost 
kind of like you were getting a warning, but then it also depended on who the person was and how they received the message. Because the message could have been mis misconstrued and it could have glorified it to some people. Whereas like, uh, I could have took it as, oh, this is a warning, I don't wanna do that. Somebody else could have been like, yo, that's the kind of lifestyle I wanna live. So it's right. like, in, in that kind of situation, it's like, depending on who's receiving the message, you know, the messenger may not really matter, but the message uh, needed to be more mind, like we, we need to be more mindful of because people perceive things differently. Like, you know, we all, we all know I'm one of the biggest Tupac fans like out here, the message I always received from listening to Tupac was some probably completely different than something that somebody else who maybe lived somewhere else where gang culture like really was a thing. And they took it as, oh, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick this up and this is my lifestyle. Where I took it as, nah, I'm not gonna do that. This is like, you know, cautionary tales. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take heed of what's going on and I'm gonna just receive that message. So in my my opinion, sometimes depending on who the who the messenger is and their method, that message hits a little harder than the actual messenger. Because sometimes it could be a matter of life and death, depending on what the message is, who you consider a leader. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a great, I, I think that's an excellent point. And I just, I, I personally didn't want to talk about the hip hop aspect of it yet, because I, I really think that's, that's like, that's, that's like three episodes, honestly. Um, because I, I do think there's some causality there. I do think there's some causality there. And I do think also certain rappers, they, they were not, at least initially, they weren't trying to glorify certain aspects. They were trying to report what was going on in their lifehood, their lifestyle, neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. But when, you know, whoever's receiving the message, they don't have those OGs, they don't have the because they're in prison, they're dead, they're they're strung out. Like they don't have people to either be like, nah, you don't want to do that, or hey, you want to do this, this, and this. Like there was that gap. They didn't have that generation to, to hand down certain things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of someone, I think of two rappers today in particular, you're both very familiar with them, who if they even as rappers, if they decided, hey. I want to go into this field. I think either one, both of them would actually find a strong, in my opinion, like looking at them, listening to what they've said throughout most of their career, especially one of them, I think people would not necessarily have a problem following with them, following them. And that's specifically Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole. No surprise there from, from anybody. Um, I, I think, I feel like if they weren't like in a, in a different time, I could see them, as the new like the actual new black panthers or something like that like like that's how that's 
Like Kendrick's to Pimp a Butterfly, musically, musically, I hated it. I hated it when I heard it musically. But when I listened to it for the message, I'm like, yeah, no, he gets it. He gets the urgency. He gets the 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 situation. He gets how critical this is. He like so if if hip hop if, if in some world if hip hop is going to be where we get leadership from because a lot of people up to this day have taken cues from hip hop somebody like those two who have the messages of of what a dead press had back in the day but have a much bigger following now I, I think there could be something there personally yeah definitely agree. What about you, Ken? James, you talking? I couldn't hear. No, I said, what about you? Did you have anything to say? Uh, I was I was just going to say that those two align with what you were referring to, James, is um, about how a message being received. Because, uh, I mean, like, we was talking generational. I think those two, though, I think, I believe they're both in, like, their early 30s, right? They are. Yeah. Right. So how they received how they received the message and you you see what what their output is of that message, how it reflects today, how they received it in a way and what they did with it versus how I honestly I I, I don't know most of these newbies names. I I think Savage twenty twenty one it it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna say it like that. It does matter. It does matter. It does matter. Um, little little pump or something like that. Um, we we see we see how their messages go. So it's like um, case in point. Like when you brought up Pac, Pac's definitely in my top five. He, he's he's on rotation. I listen to Pac. Mm, few times a week. So Pac is but Pac is like he's an exception because there's so many different sides to him. So, so many like sides. you said, you could be and what you take out of it, if, if you're surrounded in game culture or not, you could take out of, okay, this is, this is what I heard. I heard. Hit him up, Pac. So everything's war with me. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm about. Or um, or made made ends or whatever the case is. But if you if you sit down, dissect songs like Changes, and you you he was a he. I don't even consider him a rapper. He's like I said, he's unique. Tupac is very unique when it comes to this discussion as well. It's like there's so many. That's a whole nother discussion right there. That's a whole nother episode. The many sides of Tupac. <laughs> because, I mean, there's so many messages. But, like, but at the same time, you see, see how he was branded. You see his upbringing, the influence his stepfather, his, mo- his mother had on him. So we, we, we know why there's so many different sides. Also, him in, in, in acting school, et cetera. That's, it took all of these outside outside um sources to mold Tupac to what we to what we know as 
whichever era of Tupac you want to speak on. He's just like, there's so much to it. That's why there's so many documentaries on this guy. But, but it's like, what do you take from that message? But if you just have like, um, I, I'll admit, I'll admit like, um, I'm not an old grumpy man. I, I think I'm getting there, but I'll admit like years ago, you catch me bumping some Gucci, man. So what, what, what significance, like, <laughs> but like, well, what is he saying of, of value? You know what I mean? That like, if I listen to some Gucci, what, what can I say that I learned from what he's saying? There's nothing that I can go out and, and um, produce something positive about him after listening to a Gucci man record. I'm not in the trapping lifestyle. You know what I mean? And so for me personally, I, I, I feel as though, okay, when you have an abundance of that type of rap, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it as far as it being an option, but if that's all someone listens to and they don't have that guidance around them, then what do you think that person is going to start doing in life as far as how does, how does, um, I'm trying to make this circle back around to what we originally were talking about, but as, um, as far as mm -hmm. if that's the only thing, it's just like watching nothing but, um, horror movies you know, like they say is it is it imitation or is it i'm trying to word this without without going all over the place but is it is it somebody living life like they're imitating what they're, they're listening or is it more or less they they can look at it and say you know this is a form of entertainment and i'm okay with that you know so i i just feel as though I, I, you know, let, let me just shut up and save that for another episode. So, <laughs> what I'll do, I'll, I'll cut myself off here. Just ignore what I just said. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I get you though. No, but it all made sense. It all came back. It was talking, it was essentially talking about how people view the people that they would follow. Like, what makes somebody, you know, drawn to that person that they would consider a leader. Like what? What message applies to everybody? Because no, no two people are gonna be inspired by the same message. It's something within that message that gets you. And there may be some, a few people that the complete message gets both of you, but you're still gonna interpret that message differently. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, you can. I you you you, you did it. I, I did the easy part. <laughs> no, nah, but yeah, it was. I definitely. Once we once we reach that bridge, that that's gonna be a an interesting uh, discussion because there's so many ways in which you can interpret and um, come up with whatever stance you stand on as far as that goes. So that's definitely going to be a heavy topic. Yeah, definitely. All right, so to uh, wrap things up, what uh, do y'all think a leader, what qualities do you think that a leader would, would need to like even exist 
today? Uh, let me actually made notes about this. Um, I know we're, we're all familiar with the art of war, but uh, for those that aren't the art of war, it's a, it's, it, it's, it's like a complete compendium on uh, like war and leadership from Sun Tzu, great general, et cetera, et cetera. So Sun Tzu characterized leadership as a mix of five traits, strategic wisdom, integrity, benevolence, courage, and discipline. Um, and I think personally, that's a great place to start to have at least enough of those intangible traits and to build off of that. Um, and I, I looked, when I researched leadership, I looked up a lot of him, Hannibal, some, you know, obviously some other African leaders, some African leaders as well. Like that one specifically that were specifically in wartime, that were specifically in wartime. Um, for, for for reasons for reasons um and to see what you know what made them successful what tactics made them successful what qualities made them successful et cetera et cetera to only be leaders uh successful leaders in war but also su successful leaders before the war after the war the whole nine yards so for me that was a great place to start as far as crafting leadership about you, okay. Um, my, how I would categorize a, a I guess a, a, a good leader, I would just touch on the whole, um, staying, staying focused on what, what our message is. And, uh, also I would say, trying trying your best not to separate your audience because i think that's like the biggest the biggest factor um like i said we, we mentioned a few brothers earlier with um dr umar and and uh brother polite and reza and and the thing is like there's there's qualities from them like how articulate they are to um what they they, they each have the specialization in what they speak on. So I, I think a concentration that, that you have to you have to be able to have people believe in what you're speaking on. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost is because it's like you can speak a good game, but like I said, to to older audiences, they'd be like, yeah, we've heard this message before to the point where it's like they don't even want to receive any type of message these people are speaking on. But I just feel as though if we have if we have a leader that can articulate the message, get it out there properly, I, I believe that's the biggest thing. And like I said, going back to Reese's original point back in the beginning of the episode about these people tagging on to movements, I think we also have to know the agenda of the leader. Because there's so many opportunists out there that will piggyback or interject their agenda. And we, we see it occurring. We see it occurring. Like um, right now, this Black Lives uh, Matter movement is focusing on just that Black Lives based upon 
like I said, this this isn't just about George Floyd. This is about George, George Floyd. It's just like uh, how many days? It's been what, like about three weeks since Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. So 400 years leading up to Memorial Day. This is mm-hmm. what this is about. Mm-hmm. So it's like we have to keep in mind, stay on, stay on message. Yeah, you can have allies. Um, I know you have groups such as the, the LGBTQ. I've seen them come in and interject themselves and try and change the agenda to just that. But before, before you can speak on that, that, like I said, that's dividing. All right, first, all right, here it is, easy enough. You're born black. I know that for a fact. Everything else is up for debate. The way everyone, everyone has their own stance on anything else. But what I know for one is the doctor, whatever hospital you're born in, that's the first thing. This is a black baby, plain and simple. So we need to start there and focus there. End of story. Everything else we can work on later. I think right now a leader's main focus should be this is our agenda. This is what we need to strive towards. Once we have, once we reach our goal, then we can worry about, not to say that they're any less, because I, I'm in favor of women's rights. I'm in, I'm in favor of equality for everyone. But my whole point is. Bottom line. What's that? Bottom line, yeah. Right. So my, my whole point is we need to stay focused on what the original mission is. And then from there, as a unit, we can go and fight for everyone else. So that's, I, I believe, I believe our leaders need to stay focused, articulate whatever message they have, and just keep striving forward. Yeah, definitely. I definitely. agree. I agree. Um, to piggyback that, because I know you're going to bring it to a close, I, I think with the leader as well, they, they have to, at all times, like – keep an effective leader knows how to keep their ego in check knows how to keep the right people around them not people that will say the right things um and they either have to be as far as the cause goes altruistic or utilitarianistic (laughs) has to be one or the other has to be the goal like they have to be selfless in that manner they have to uh, it's for us to win this fight, like they, they, they have to, like keep your eye on the prize. It's that that old spiritual. The one thing we did right was the day we we decided to fight. Keep your eyes on the prize, and that like, I whoever we promote to that leadership, like that's, it's not about you. It is not about you. It's about those that came before you for you to be in this position you are. It's about those that are here right now, making sure you stay where you are. And it's for those in the future that your work, your work is going to make sure that their future is better. That's what our predecessors did. And that's what we need to do for that next generation. So that is what I need from that leader. Definitely. I definitely agree with it all the points that y'all made. Um, I would just add, this is just on on a personal basis. I think that the leader needs to inspire the spirit of all of us, uh, spark the minds, 
and just fortify uh, unity in their message. I think just that because y'all y'all pretty much uh, hit everything else, but I think those three things on top of everything y'all said would definitely uh, you know solidify the leadership and make sure that the message and the messenger are as both solid. So yeah, um, uh, thank y'all again for joining us on the Liberated Mind Show. Um, you know, peace and love, one accord, stay on cool. You know, tune in next time. Thank you. This generation under so much pressure, held to a standard impossible to measure. Without guidance, they suffer. No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother. Not the fin for the one in the mirror. Self-image disorder, can't get no clearer. Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets. 